welcome to the show. Uh, this is, of course, the Green Majority. We have uh, a ton uh, of, of news. Uh, Do we? So much news. Oh, okay. There's there's an incredible amount of news coming. All right. Uh, this is uh, Stevan Hostetter, live in studio with Dave Hostetter. And we are, it's the beginning of Climate Week. Yes, it is. It is September 20th. If we had the air horn, we should do no, the, I'm not going to do it. No, I don't try. Do it. Yes. I'm not do it. Um, it is the beginning of Climate Week. Uh, it runs from today until the 27th, which will be the 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 big one here in uh, in Canada. But already across the world, there are so many strikes happening today. If you're following any of the uh, any of the, the what's going on on Twitter, there are hundreds of thousands of people all across the world. And they've started. In the wee hours of the morning. Really? Uh, well, not in their morning, of course. Not their morning, no. of course. Exactly, yes. But, uh, but our morning, in the wee hours of our morning, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in Australia, uh, hundreds of thousands of people have shown up all over the world. You know, there's m- even in some of the smaller cities, you're seeing, you're seeing big, big turnouts. Mm. Um, there's, if you can go to uh, globalclimatestrike.net for like, live updates, um, and there's just like, pictures of people from anywhere from Nairobi, uh, to to Friedberg, to to many like to basically every city, major city in the world is having something going on either today or mm. over this week. Wow. Um, and so and so it's a it is a global movement, um, uh, and 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 it's all led uh, led by the young by the youth. Mm. The uh, if you've missed uh, Greta Thunberg's um, sort of inspiring speech uh, at the UN recently, uh, check that out. Um, and, and the sort of general rejection of the, of the idea that, that despair is reasonable. Um, there are people gathering out front of this building as we speak. That's true, we yes. I saw a man being interviewed by the, by the CBC. I didn't hear the question, but I just heard him say, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's too terrifying. Well, he's, he's not wrong. It is objectively terrifying. The, um, the, but yeah, so there's, there's rally happening right now from 11 to 12. It's the Stop TMX uh, and in solidarity to uh, to Mount Akua. Um, really? Where's that? That's happening right outside. That's what's happening right now. Oh, I thought there was a twelve to three thing. The eleven to twelve is the is the is the rally in support of Stop PMX. The twelve to three is a teach-in run by uh, Fridays for Future. Oh, true. Yeah, it's a the future Fridays for Future rally uh, from twelve to three today. Um, and again, if you are in the Toronto area, or well, if you're anywhere, go uh, look at find your local local climate justice hubs and see what they're doing in your area. Uh, or if you are, uh, if you are off, uh, if you're in the Toronto area, then there's something happening every day, uh, including, so today there's that, uh, this evening there's some, some music for climate justice, uh, happening at the Transac, um, tomorrow there's, uh, a heat death in Kensington at, at meetup at Xalander Park, uh, on Sunday there's a climate picnic happening from 11 to 2 at 890 King Street, uh, on Monday, there's a banner drop happening and a UN Summit Day forum where the youth speak out at the Friends House, uh, as well as, again, ongoing Mobilize Mondays, if you remember. Uh, also, um, uh, Sherry DeNova, who also has uh, her own show on, on, this, on this wonderful station, mm. uh, which came on our show a few weeks back to talk about Mobilize Mondays. They are not slowing down. Uh, that's, so they will be, that's happening. They'll be, they'll be blocking Young, Des- Young and Dundas Square at 6 o'clock uh, on Monday uh, for 15 minutes. Uh, and then Tuesday, there's another banner, another banner drop and a road, a roadblock dance party at St. George and Bloor. So if you're St. George and Bloor, you can, you can just, you can just dance your way throughout the entire, entire space. Wait, what, what is that? When is that? That's on Tuesday. Tuesday, what time? 5.30 PM. So I can dance in the middle of the street yeah. at 
St. George and Bloor. Exactly. Uh, on, on Wednesday, uh, there is, uh, there's a visioning session uh, called What Does a Just Transition Look Like uh, from 6 to 9.30. Uh, on Thursday, there is uh, Don't Bank on Climate Change. And eight, if, you're, if you're an early riser, this is one. You can go, uh, go join a climate strike at an 8 or to 9 a.m., uh, the rally at Street Theater King and Bay. So if you want to do that. Uh, and then Friday, we will uh, be j- joining you uh, live, actually, right at the beginning of the, the global climate strike here in Toronto and across Canada mm-hmm. uh, with Fridays for Future and all of the other groups working together on that. Uh, that's, of course, Friday, September 27th. And, uh, and there's a, it's followed by a, the, the mustering begins at, uh, at 11. Uh, the march begins at noon from Queen's Park. And then it'll be followed by a concert uh, as they go back. So it's a pretty it's a pretty extensive march. They'll be going a lot of places. So check out that march route. If you can't make it to Queen's Park, you can join along the way. Word. And, and, and then you can jo- join the march, and then it'll be a great concert. It'll be fantastic. We will be ready to go there. Nice. And yeah, so that's that's what we're set up for. We've got that. And then Saturday, if you've after a week of climate stuff, you got yourself to wondering what can be done. Uh, there's a solutions summit by Project Drawdown on the Saturday the 28th. So uh, all of this information can be found on climatechallenge.ca uh, if you want to get, get active. And, of course, if you are not you know, one of our Toronto listeners, there are definitely things happening in the area. Again, they're happening everywhere. Please do come and check in um, because those are what's happening. But with all that, with all that preamble, uh, there is news to be had today, starting with, you know... I don't know why. I never thought I'd have to say this on the show, but starting with Jonathan Franzen, for some reason. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's good to address uh, certain uh, points of view. Yes. That uh, are being disseminated. Yes, so. exactly. So we're going to look at one of those right now, and this is uh, published in the New Yorker. So, uh, famed novelist and prominent cultural figure Jonathan Franzen has written another article on the environment for the New Yorker, which will probably print whatever he writes no matter how self-defeating it turns out to be. He claims, for instance, that the problem of carbon is no longer within our power to solve, and therefore we need to accept that a climate apocalypse is inevitable, and that, oddly, this realization should somehow stir us to create more meaningful change in the short term, hedging off the end times for a couple more decades through local endeavors like community farming. The most generous interpretation of his argument appears to be that grand economic overhaul will only make things worse at this point by increasing the coming chaos. And so we should just try to hold our institutions together as the world falls apart. He claims with no explanation that the Green New Deal is actually a kind of leftist denialism because its proponents dare to assume that human beings are capable of meeting the crisis. So he invokes the useless idea of human nature as if we're all hardwired for a narrow set of behavior patterns which we can do nothing about. He also claims that it doesn't matter how much we overshoot two degrees Celsius of global warming, because, quote, once the point of no return is passed, the world will become self-transforming, which is as much as to say that the very worst imaginable scenario is already guaranteed, which is not what the science says. In the same breath, and absurdly, Franzen says that if collective action made one fewer hurricane occur, that would be worth doing. It's like someone burning at the stake thinking, ah, if only one fewer flame would lick me as I die. Which could be poetic, but Franzen seems to think it's actually logical. It's almost as if he's saying that righteous effort in the face of near-impossible odds is always noble and good, 
but it's actually a sad and pointless watering down of that idea, because he's actually saying that it's all useless, but however many more seconds of stability we can hold on to, the better. He thinks that complete and utter apocalypse is unavoidable, but then pats himself on the back for buying local kale. He is clearly being defeated by his despair, and is using a huge platform to inflict it upon others. I agree with him that it's uh, patronizing to argue that the truth will paralyze people, but then he patronizes anyone who dares to believe that we can win, by assuming that that belief will cause us to give up on the planet once it becomes obvious that it's all over. But I don't understand why he cares if we give up on the planet that he appears to have already given up on. He's already moved to the worst case scenario and wants to convince everyone to just play the violin as the ship sinks. This is hideously premature, but it could have been made a little less hideous if he admitted that the, he was arguing a paradoxical position and embraced the absurdity of it. Instead, he's a 60-year-old man with no stake in the game, proselytizing from his armchair. Yeah, and so uh, there's a there's one specific sentence in this that I want to I want to pick on. Now I will say that this this uh, this piece was uh, roundly, uh, as the kids say, dunked on on Twitter. Mm. Uh, it was uh, you know a little, a little softy thrown up there for someone to, to really hammer down. But it's um, there. It's, it's there in the magazine and it's published very widely. Well, exactly, and there makes it, and also it's you know this is this is in some ways the what we have been warning about, right? Like when we, in years ago, when we spoke about the soft denialism um, of, of saying, yes, it's happening, but we can't work too quickly. Franzen was a proponent of this. We just need to, con what happened to conservation, he used right. to argue, yeah. four years ago. And this, is, and this is the shift that we 100% said would occur, right? You, you start with, it's, uh, we can do this, but not try that hard. Um, and then you end with, oh, it turns out that we that trying not very hard didn't do it, and so now we should give up entirely. It's a you know it's the, it's this easy flip as a way to completely absolve oneself from from the realities, and so the 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 the, the, the particular two words I want I want to I want to pick on uh, from only this, two it's only two I know, um, and it's it's it's, it's it sort of speaks a larger thing, but the only two words is in the very in the second paragraph of this piece. He says, uh, the goal has been clear for 30 years, and despite, quote, earnest efforts, we've made no, essentially no progress towards reaching it. And <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I read that I could not get over the concept that he, someone could watch the last 30 years of action on this planet and state that that constituted earnest efforts. Mm. He says even later in the piece that in the last 30 years, we have, we have created m as much CO2 than we had in the last 200. So during the quote-unquote earnest efforts of dealing with this, we have somehow managed to be worse collectively than the last 200 years. Mm. Yes. Exp I, I just want someone to explain to me what he means by earnest efforts. I mean, I think these are the words of a man who is famous and uh, is uh, uh, praised for his writing and so assumes that anything that comes out of his pen is, uh, is gold. Yes, clearly. Um, and, and, uh, and clearly what's, what's been interesting to watch with this, with this uh, global Fridays for Future movement uh, of, of youth strikers has been their very ardent position that what we've seen up to now has not been... Like it's it is arguably the, there's there are people certainly involved who are earnest. There were earnest efforts on the parts of environmentalists, and even then, honestly, there's no. the, you know the the level of the level of uh, of 
work that was put in by the 90s environmental organizations in which they sort of allowed themselves to be largely co-opted by the by centrist policies has been uh, you know, widely documented and rightly denounced. You know, this is this is what we've seen um, and it's not been great. You know, uh, and so and so the position of the of these youth has been that far. Maybe maybe some people are earnest, but far be it to call what we've seen effort. This is this is we, like the idea we for for twenty of those thirty years you still had major oil companies actively portraying uh, you know uh, fossil fuel denialism you know it, the, the and still to this day you see some of it but it's largely pushed back into the into really what Franzen has done really it's morphed the denialism is morphed into, into into Jonathan Franzen yeah and and also the words of a man who isn't hasn't been obviously involved at all yeah but thinks that he should now speak about it like. like he gets to say anything <laughs> yeah you know and and and, and here are you know in, in in the sight of these hundreds of millions of people currently marching today uh to to speak as if this is the uh that this is where we've ended up um and that this is the this is what we've got is is just un, unreasonable to me quite obviously um and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sort of, I'm, I'm baffled. I read an interesting critique of his, of his writing, uh, which showed me a paragraph of it that I quite uh, disliked, but I haven't, uh, anyway. But it, it said that uh, you can uh, see his ego at work. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Like, and, and so this is it. This, this to me is, is the, is the, this is an obvious extension of, um, of, of, of what the push to not do stuff is. You know, the, the idea that the, the Green New Deal and the work that we're putting forward, that is being forward on that, is the same as, 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 as denialism. Is, is only can be said by a man who will suffer none of the consequences and uh, a man who has not been a part of the movement, basically. That, like, he, he, like, to speak, his ego, it's, it's his privilege that is being shown more than anything in this piece. You know, he's acting, you know, he's, he literally states that if you're under 30, you're almost guaranteed to see the stabilization. And, and yet we still should not be fighting tooth and nail to do every possible thing. Like, mm -hmm. I, it just, it's, it's only possible to say that um, if, uh, if you are, if you are this privileged. But um, I, there, we are going to, uh, off to the music break, we're going to break some news. Uh, yeah, the we're gonna break. Uh, so John Tory has uh, has earlier today called for a climate emergency, um, and uh, and forty seven uh, climate organizations um, have 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 put together a, a call to to what that should look like. Mm. Um, and so we'll, we'll detail that instructions. John Tory literally about an hour ago did this. The call out for uh, from the organizations went out literally five minutes ago. Uh, and so we will detail the, the, what, uh, what these 47 climate organizations uh, are work looking for from that climate emergency when we're back from the break. Uh, so uh, be right back, and we'll go to music break right now. The Green Majority is entirely listener-supported. Our goal to reach minimum solvency is to raise $300 a month. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com for as little as $1. And thank you. That was Bruce Coburn's Sweet Sunlight instrumental. Sweetness of Light. Sweetness of Light? Yes. Oh. 
sweetness of life. <laughs> but similar. Yes, very similar. Um, uh, oh, no, it's sweet as I like. You wrote the first time. Um, well done, Dave. Uh, of course, this is the Green Majority. Welcome back uh, to CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps one of our radio syndicates across the country, uh, or perhaps on the podcast, Fan of Green Majority. Had another dream out the lions at the door. They weren't half as frightening as they were before, but I'm thinking about eternity. Sorry, I got, I got we've, Bruce Carver we've, we've already got, we already did the music break. This is the second music <laughs> break. Why, why are you doing this? Um, no, we have, uh, as, I, as, as I previewed right before the, the break, uh, we have a, uh, we're breaking some news. Let's break it, this is Let's the, break some, This is the second time we've broken news second on Second night we've broken news on the show. Breaking uh, news. It's very rare that it happens exactly between 11 and 12 um, on a Friday, but... Uh, earlier, uh, in the early, early 10.30-ish uh, today, uh, John Tory announced that he would, wanted to join uh, join uh, 800 other governments around the world in declaring a climate emergency for Toronto, uh, which was immediately met uh, by a response from, the, from civil society, uh, from, from 47 community organizations, uh, calling to ensure... Uh, that the climate emergency declaration is is more than just words. Uh, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly give a direct quote uh, from the from the from the press release itself. Okay. Um, so we the concerned organizations call on Toronto Mayor John Tory and Toronto City Council to formally declare a climate emergency. Furthermore, we call on you to commit to and rapidly implement clear and specific actions to reduce emissions in the near term and protect residents. Especially those at most at those most at risk from climate-related harms, while making critical investments to maximize the health, environmental, and social and economic benefits of a transition to a zero-carbon city. Uh, the the list of organizations can be found uh, on uh, Toronto Environment's uh, statement about climate emergency. Uh, there are forty-seven of them, as I mentioned, and and there's six calls. Uh, there's 20 specific actions, uh, sort of broadly including six sort of main uh, sub or main headings, and those six headings are recognizing the climate emergency, uh, strengthening climate targets and reporting, adequately funding climate action, building equity and inclusion in climate action, ensuring a just economic transition, and establishing structures for meaningful re- re- resident participation. Mm. And I, 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 this is important to highlight because a uh, it is. Um, Unquestionably, a, a a a a very important step to be made by the city, but it has to come with other actions. We can't just declare commonality and wash our hands. There, there. This is a this. You have to hold the 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 councilors and the mayor who put this forward to account to ensure that this is not just a uh, a pat on the back. If there's no funding connected to this, if there's no increase in targets, if there's no other connected work here. Then, then this is this is nothing but a PR move, mm. and so and so there there has to be there has to be a real response here um, that includes uh, you know strong strengthening targets that includes uh, ways to, to to make the, the, the city the city more carbon carbon friendly. And so sorry. So to answer. So Tory was like so Tory was pressured, and then he was like, okay, we'll declare a climate emergency, and immediately you guys are like, boom. This is how you're going to make sure that's not just uh, your flip, your mouth flapping. Well, that is this is yes, that's exactly you know, Tory. You know, obviously feeling the pressure from the you know the overwhelming number of Torontonians and and what will be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people in the street next week. You know, as is want probably you know wanted to get uh, wanted to get out uh, ahead of ahead of it, and 
and this is uh, and but but this again this cannot work this cannot be the 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 way we respond there has to be you know we look we saw this a couple of years ago in which there we were there was a there's a whole thing about how John Tory had declared that he had fully funded Transform Toronto even though he had actually left they what they had done is they had asked city staff to sort of cut a bunch of stuff and put a part of it into it and then fully funded that part of it rather than the whole the whole place and and it's this kind of saying you're doing things without doing anything uh, which honestly goes back to the first part of the show about what earnest effort actually looks like Earnest effort is not declaring climate emergency. Earnest effort is taking the policies that would actually do the work. It is it is using some of your social capital to you know to maybe I don't know save the money on the on your re, three billion dollar rebuild of the gardener and and use it to 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 fund uh, you know sustainable housing projects. Oh, but there are so many comfortable wealthy people, and they're so comfortable, Stephanie. You don't understand how comfortable they are. And and that goes back to last week's show about about the the, the value in making some people uncomfortable. Mm. You know, this is this is the two options here. You know, we either find a way to actually effectively fund real transit and real plans, uh, and to actually make make the world a real a place to live, or you're going to see this ever increasing agitation from young people as they watch their future fall apart. Oh, but you've never sunk into that couch, Stefan. You don't understand the plushness of the couches, the Chesterfields. <laughs> Chesterfield is perhaps the perfect example of a thing that. Uh, that the Chesterfields are the first thing to go in the climate revolution. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, but but anyways, yes. So this is so John Tory did just announce this, and and there is a response. So please do check out uh, this open call. Uh, you know, there are 47 groups, including you know, including the Canadian Environmental Law Association, Acorn, uh, Blue Green Blue Green Canada, Center for Social Innovation, the Citizens Climate Lobby, Climate Challenge Canada, David Suki Physician, Evergreen. There's again Green Green 13, the neighborhood groups, all the way up to the bigger organizations. All of them are working together uh, to to try to make this work, um, and they're all calling on the mayor Tory to actually implement something that actually matters. Uh, and so uh, there you go. News broke. Uh, Toronto trying to declare a climate emergency, and we're hoping it's more than just words. Um, yes. Here's my challenge, John Tory: make it more important than Justin Trudeau's climate one. You know, this, the, the, if Canada can do our climate emergency and buy a pipeline, I hope you can do one and maybe invest, I know, a little political capital to, to put some money somewhere. And maybe no one will find John Tory dressing up as uh, Aladdin. Yes. Oh, God. That's, if ever, ever the indictment of centrist is Trudeau. Anyways, let's, uh, let's move on uh, to other Canadian politics uh, in Alberta. So, um, yeah, so we'll discuss Jason Kenney. Yes. Uh, so, uh, another article uh, decrying Alberta Premier Jason Kenney's energy war room has come out, this time from a global collaboration of over 220 news outlets called Covering Climate Now. Thus, Kenney's obscenity has gained international recognition. The article reminds us that his government is spending $30 million a year to fight environmental NGOs. In defense of this war room, Alberta Energy Minister Sonia Savage stated that there has been a relentless campaign from these environmental groups to kill the oil sands with lies. She doesn't say why this would be so, but leaves it open for her constituents to fill in whatever conspiracy they favor. It also mentions that Jason Kenney appears to believe politician-turned-journalist and talk show host Danielle Smith when she says that Alberta's energy industry is on the cusp of saving the planet and that Kenny has stated that the carbon tax will punish Albertans for heating their homes and driving to work. 
Danielle Smith, apparently, writing for the Calgary Herald, is literally convinced that the Albertan energy industry is about to solve the problem of carbon through zero emissions natural gas. And the only thing holding them back is that there aren't enough pipelines to export their crude oil. The article also points out that, amazingly, Post Media, which owns newspapers all over the country, including the National Post, is trying to become a partner in Kenny's War Room, which would tie a major media company to an industry propaganda arm run by the government. Yeah. Talk about a uh, talk about the kind of thing we often talk about how ways uh, news stories in our country would be covered if they were if they were somewhere else. You know, um, we that's that's an interesting conversation that that's sort of gives you some perspective. And and to me, this this combination this 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 three headed beast that's sort of forming in Alberta uh, of of the of the Jason Kenney government. Um, creating this sort of war room at the behest of, honestly, mostly foreign investment. Although the foreign investment is increasingly leaving, leaving Alberta more and more on the hook, mm-hmm. and Kenny companies more on the hook. But uh, you know, this global international conglomerate of oil companies. Um, these two working together to, and then, and then the idea that, especially in the in light of the Canada Land article a few weeks ago, uh, that was talking about how the about how Post Media was given the given the sort of insight and the push towards being more. Um, uh, to be more right wing, uh, to, there's a expose that they wrote about how so this internal conversation was going on, mm. um, and then since then you've seen both uh, the Vancouver Sun release, uh, just truly uh, a truly vile or racist screed about uh, about assimilation, um, and then the Globe and Mail uh, on Monday decided that it was the right time to, uh, to re- decided it was the right time to to talk about. Uh, to give you know Ezra Levant uh, a platform to, to to act as if the rebel media is not something that we literally watched at climate rallies harass nineteen year olds as a gotcha as, as as if that's journalism mm. like I like I I literally watched Ezra Levant go out and do this um, <laughs> you know and that was and that that's their version of journalism is 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 just accosting people at protests going up to teenagers actually did you does your mother own a car yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the Globe decided that that was important <laughs> enough to that viewpoint was important enough to talk about, right? And 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 to so it is it is perhaps not shocking uh, that the media has, has is so broadly failing to cover the, the world like this right now. But um, all that said, the thing I wanted to actually the reason why I, I really wanted this story on is that it's it's it, the the part of this that's pretty pernicious. Um, and again, it's if you sort of imagine yourself from the outside looking in uh, to this to this to Alberta in mm-hmm. its in its existence. And, and we, and there's, here's, here's a, here's a place that, that has, they're actually government ministers who are, who are targeting and outing, uh, you know, climate, their own citizens, uh, Mm -hmm. because they care about climate change Mm -hmm. on Twitter to be, and who are now receiving, you know, they're receiving threats, they're receiving, you know, they're, 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 they're opening these people up to some of the most vile attacks online. And this is the government doing this to its own citizens. And and at the behest of the oil industry, quite clearly, you know, whether or not it's because the oil industry is, you know, whether like whether or not it's directly at the behest of the oil industry or just because they like the oil industry. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that this is like direct. It's hard to know. It's like it was it's, it's two hand in hand. Right. And Alberta has set themselves up to be entirely dependent on the oil industry, how the royalties work, like just charge taxes, Alberta, get yourself out from underneath this and just charge some sales tax. And so your entire con- your entire 
province is not based off of this single idea that that oil is the future. You know, this is not it cannot be the way forward. But the the fact that there are these people, they're, they're, they're these youth, these engaged citizens, and no one is questioning that these pe- that these citizens are. Uh, are not citizens, although there's a huge campaign out there to pretend that they are foreign foreign actors. Um, whether you know, despite the fact that these are you know youth that grew up in in Edmonton and Al, you know in Alberta, and and to use them as if they are to vilify them and to and to uh, subject them to 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 vile internet assaults, which have, has been very clearly can become much worse than that. Um, you know, during that, and they like this is not, this is not a, a safe uh, environment to be in for mm-hmm. these for these activists. Is 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 seen to me the 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 playbook of of dictatorship, right? Like this is this is you know whether or not like, like I'm not saying they didn't get elected in in fairly. I'm just saying that like when you're taking that that tone that detractors must be vilified and ostracized. And and completely thrown out, um, uh, because they are refusing to to buy into the orthodoxy of 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 the of that of of basically a capitalist market of, of oil mm-hmm. is is un is un is unbelievable. Yeah, and not just expose that, but investigate it. This is the language they're using. Yeah, they're investigating uh, any group that is critical of the oil sands yeah. industry. Yeah. So it's not it's not that it's not so bad as like going out and arresting people. But the language of investigation and the idea that investigation is being done by the government places it into a kind of criminalized context. Right. And and this is exactly what you saw in other places where they were trying to uh to to limit and to push back and to and to demonize these um these actions. Right. This is this is exactly where um you know when you, when you when you look at what was happening with um uh with 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 all of these different protests with the the goal the goal of the way to, to shut the protest is to is to make them already quote unquote known to police you know uh have them have them in the database quote unquote which already sort of vilifies them despite n- n- any nonviolent action and then and then when you can you come at them with and then when they when they do do a protest you use that sort of background to vilify them further and they come at them with these huge uh huge different um you know sentences as a way to detract try to squash opposition and and that's what we're seeing we're, we, we are seeing this 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 er, before like that we're, it's a criminalization of protest um bef- despite despite the legalities of protest uh a, and we're seeing it everywhere there's there, every almost any place in 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 at least in in, in right now in, in north american outside th- where you're seeing protest there is an attempt to criminalize that protest mm-hmm. and 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 then and then using that criminalization to to push it to the edges, and and I think that's what makes this week so important, because the as 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 as, as other movements have shown, um, and as 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 especially Extinction Rebellion uh, sh- showed uh, recently in the UK uh, with their model, they can't arrest us all. Um, that kind of that's the kind of action we need, because if we were expecting just these just the people on the front lines to to be able to do this. Um, they will be take. They will be jailed. You know, they that they are protected by numbers, 
and and those of us who may not always see ourselves as activists, and those of us who may not always see ourselves as uh, as people who need to be uh, on the front lines of these kinds of things, uh, need to understand that our our participation is their safety. And so, and so if you're able to join some of these things, if you're able to sort of get in touch with some people, there's hundreds of different ways to support. Um, and a simple, easy one, if you're not close to anything, is there's a currently a, a GoFundMe for, uh, for the Fridays for Future rally in Toronto set up, uh, which you can go support. Um, uh, you can show up. You can reach out to these organizations. Uh, there's, you know, there, there are currently die-ins across the country today uh, because people continue to subsidize the oil fossil industry. That's a direct quote from Emma Jackson, one of the people who's been targeted in Alberta. And... Uh, and let's show up for these people. You know, that's that's all I can say. Let's show up for these people uh, because because our, our our presence is their safety. And and if we want the world we want to live in, if we want to say, if we want to tell everyone in thirty years that we as thirty year olds put in a quote unquote earnest effort, the earnest effort comes from showing up. If you know, in nineteen ninety, as the quote earnest effort began. Um, I'm sure there were some rallies, and I'm sure there was some action, but th- it wasn't sustained. It was a it was it was, it was co opted uh, and 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 pulled away by the by by, by neoliberal uh, liberalism, which sort of dominated the '90s, and and that got us to to where we are now. And so we we have to do something. Anyways. Um, we are going to go to our music break in just a second. Uh, we'll come back with a whole host of news. Uh, little short news stories and a little little short conversation after each. Um, but, uh, but for right now, uh, we'll go to yet another music break. Take it away. here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps one of our wonderful radio syndicates across the country. Um, and if you want to find out any of the, the, the news or articles from the show, uh, you can find that on greenmajority.ca. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. We have, as I promised, I, we broke news. At the beginning, I promised lots of news, and we broke some news, and now we have... I know, heard that news snap. Yeah. And I watched the particles of its breakage float through the air yes oh there we go uh but we have more of it uh so let's do it dave so uh thousands of people are getting sick from the indonesian fires that continue to burn 80 percent of which were probably set on purpose to clear forest for palm oil plantations palm oil is a major driver of deforestation worldwide and is used in products like laundry detergent ice cream biodiesel lipstick shampoo Instant noodles, margarine, and protein bars. Yeah, man. There's often a we we're, we're not really big on individual action on the show. I feel mm. like we usually deride it as sort of you know the bare minimum, but definitely not enough, and often a distraction on on things. But quite nice. Uh, yeah, good. And but seriously, stop. Don't eat things with palm oil. It's it's unbelievable how destructive. Like that's more important than every straw in the universe. Like just palm oil is is absolutely devastating uh, the 
the our ecosystems and especially the climate. Like mm. the if everyone remembers the fires from a couple of years ago in Indonesia, this is apparently now this is now like a, a yearly thing. And I and some of the numbers about how much CO two was being made by those fires, like those that, that the really big fire that happened I think two years ago was incredible. So so just if you can avoid, it's not that hard to avoid palm oil uh, if you just pay attention. It's in a lot of things, uh, but there are some apps you can use as a way to boycott different things. So if you can find an app that tells you all the things that have palm oil in it, you can mm. you can get out of it. Um, and and there are fully, fully reasonable other alternatives for all of the things that currently use palm oil. So just st- please stop using palm oil. Next time you pump that iron and eat one of those palm oil infused protein bars, just picture yourself stomping through the rainforest yeah, or yeah or the desolate husk of the rainforest that we've burned up to raise more palm trees beastly muscular men yes uh, anyways, the uh, so anyways, that's the next a marine heat wave is spreading through the pacific the lo- second largest blob of warm water since records began in 1981 the other one was in 2014 it's not known if such a thing is directly attributable to climate change But it is known that the oceans in total have so far absorbed 90% of the heat caused by global warming thus far. This is one of these uh, marine heat waves, large blobs of heat. If it lasts for a while, the uh, heat could sink lower into the depths of the ocean. Mm. Yeah, and so, again, this is the type of thing where we talk about heat waves a lot, but it's harder for humans to experience them than the ocean. Um, But the oceans oceans absorb more heat and more CO2 than, than anything else. So like it's one of those things that the ocean, if there's, if there's a, if there's a concern, uh, actually this is a very brief off topic, but I think it's important to highlight one of the major reasons why geoengineering in the form of sulfur dioxide or, or, or mirrors in the atmosphere, these type of ideas that are sort of floated out as ways to cool the earth um, are, are a terrible idea is that they do not solve the amount of carbon that still is being absorbed by the oceans. What doesn't solve the 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 cooling of the earth, even if oh, the sulfur yeah. or the or these things actually successfully worked um, to cool the earth, they would not stop the uh, rapid acidification of the oceans that we're still seeing. And if the oceans die, we die. So there's like there's no alternative to to removing carbon from the atmosphere um, because that's the only way to help the 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 oceans uh, you know stop acidifying. And and they are. As they are, you know, they're everything in the same way that the ecosystem is everything. So, like, we cannot uh, presume that just cooling the Earth is the solution. It has to be actually a rebalancing of the carbon in the atmosphere. Um, and in this, in these types of things, I have to highlight that. But what's next? So, the five-year assessment report on the New York Declaration on Forests has recently come out, and has discovered that. Five years after 200 governments and companies came together to sign an agreement to save the world's forests by cutting deforestation in half by 2020 and ending it entirely by 2030, forest loss has actually accelerated since the declaration. Uh, Inside Climate News quotes one of the report's authors, quote, halting forest loss will take a serious systemic shift in behavior from everyone by reducing demand for commodities that carry embedded deforestation, reducing meat consumption, and investing in governance, and protecting the rights of indigenous peoples. Sustainability researcher Paula Pacheco said, quote, having, an, having an indigenous population is very important to preserving the land, but they don't have the power to get funding from outside. These groups are very important, ecologically speaking, and they're not getting the attention they deserve. Yeah, and this is an important thing to highlight uh, because I think it's it's seldom understood that the 
in the, that it's not from a it's not from a conservation standpoint. This is the problem with conservation in the first place: is that conservation is a displacement of the indigenous peoples on the land, and yet it has been proven that these that that forests and ecosystems uh, that that have uh, that included indigenous population living within the land and on the land are actually uh, are are healthier, um, are, are are better prepared to. To protect, uh, to protect the the, uh, the the area around it, um, are are more biodiverse. Like the conservation is is a is a is a westernized colonial understanding of of, of how the world should work, um, and and the fact that 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 they and it goes against this whole idea that people are you know are a, are a scourge. You know we our capitalism is a scourge. People can be proven to live within economy, live within um, ecosystems that can that are regenerative. Humans have that ability. These people have been living this way for centuries, millennia, you know, um, since the dawn of time. And this is the one of the very disturbing paradoxes of our Western civilization, which is we are now in a position where we actually have to learn from the people we tried to eliminate. Yeah. Not only learn from the people we tried, who assumed could not teach us anything, and we just had to smash them with our Bibles, but actually learn from the people we tried to remove from the planet. Yeah, and 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 they're and exactly, and they're and so like it's not, and it's not just this. Like I think people often think of the, when they hear this sort of idea of like supporting indigenous peoples, they presume that's from a from a you know oh they let's be, help them. Well, let's help them, and also let's help them, and, and let's help them uh, from a from a from a like guarding area as conservation response, not from a living on the land and truly being a part of regenerative ecosystem response. You know, we th this th there are answers out there. They have them, and we have to both fund them, ensure that they are supported, and to live their own lives, um, and and find a way to emulate them. You know, in a way that that uh, or at least uh, at least emulate the way that one can live in an in a uh, in an ecological so, so regenerative way. So, like, except yeah. except what we attempted to do. Yeah, heal yeah, ourselves first. psychologically, yeah. and then potentially learn. And then potentially, yeah. it's a lot of de-learning. Take a knee and about. listen. You yeah, know what I'm please take a knee and listen. <laughs> That's yeah. There you go. Um, uh, what's next? So MPs in the UK are warning that the biodegradable and compostable plastic that was brought into the market recently could actually increase pollution because much of it only breaks down in industrial facilities and therefore still clogs up the habitats of marine life. Yeah. All right. Well. So this is like biodegradable plastic. Yeah, and not quite good enough. Right. Maybe we should stop using plastic altogether. Throwing it out there. What's next? Fukushima is grappling with what to do with the contaminated waste uh, left over after the triple meltdown of its nuclear plant in 2011. Contaminated groundwater continues to build up, and they currently have over a million tons of it in storage, but will have to begin probably dumping it into the sea, which will enrage fishermen, especially Koreans whom the Japanese obviously have a history of subjugating. They also have no idea what to do with the millions of cubic meters of radioactive dirt that was collected after the disaster, which will have to sit somewhere untouched for 30 years. Yeah, so this is, you know, to go back to, to last week's show and the discussion about, uh, about what to do about um, nuclear power, and, and this is the ex obvious example of, of of our complete lack of understanding what to do with this type of stuff. Right? This is, this is we've created ourselves a problem that we don't really that we there's no real good solution to. Um, and as much as I believe it was the '70s that believed that the solution to pollution was dilution, 
I think we've sort of figured out that that is uh, real slogan that did exist. That's a real slogan. I am I'm I did, I'm not making that up. Um, uh, which does feel a little bit uh, a little bit silly in the light of asking whether or not Japan should dump uh, radioactive waste into the ocean. You know, maybe a little bit of a di- little bit of a uh, difference there. Um, and and so it does speak to to how far we still have to go. You know, um, but we have we have two more stories. So let's get there. So activists from Extinction Rebellion blocked a fracking site in the UK last week. They said of the action, quote, There is a yawning chasm between words and deeds. The science is clear. The world must move away urgently from a system of ever-increasing consumption and destruction, totally founded and dependent on fossil fuels. Yeah. So this is clearly a Excision um, Rebellion is one of the you know one of the three or four groups that we sort of highlighted as uh, important uh, parts of this of this uh, um, of, of of what we're seeing is uh, what we're hoping uh, all of us are hoping is maybe the beginning of an earnest effort to come back to this phrase uh, on <laughs> on climate change. You know this this sort of differentiation between uh, you know starting with can we. Um, you know, can we find the, the 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 right tactics to wake everyone up? Which I think is what Extinction Rebellion is really is is really good at. Right? They are they are making sure that people who uh, may not get the chance to hear about this uh, or may be able to live in their bubbles without getting broken into, uh, they, they're bubble poppers, if you will. Mm. You know, they're they're going to go to your they're going to find you in your car and not let you move until you understand climate change exists. Mm. That they're going to stand in front of every block they can find, um, and they're going to have fun while doing it, which is I think important. You know, there's going to be a, a circus in in Piccadilly Square for for years. Mm. You know, there's going to be uh, there like it's important to ensure that this is you know this is a experience that can be in, you know enjoyed in some way, but like. If if the first step is popping the bubbles that we live in, um, the kind of getting out into the places, finding the spaces you can be, and ensuring there is and extinction rebellion is all over uh, the world and in small communities and in, in larger ones. Um, and, and so, if you are curious about how to pop the bubble in wherever you are from, there's probably a, a delegation of people starting to work on that. Um, and so, there, if that's if that's your angle of how you want to make change, there, that's a that's an option to you, and you should go out and and, and help. Puncture that. Puncture that bubble. Uh, you know, if everyone, you know, conservatives are always talking about the liberal bubble, but like, my God, uh, have you ever been to suburbia? But uh, we have one more story and then we'll call it a day. The U.S. House of Representatives has voted to prohibit the leasing of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge to oil and gas companies for drilling. This probably won't stop the Trump administration's headlong charge ever forward into death, however, because everything, everyone, and their dog is for sale. Environmental groups will try to sue the government to stall the sale at least until after the 2020 election. Yeah. Um, well, let's, like, fight tooth and nail. This is one of their last truly wild spaces, they tell me. Well. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna open it up and bleed it dry. Yeah. That's, that's the only, well, until, of course, more ice recedes, and then that will open up even more opportunities. Mm. You know, this is the, you, know, the, Oof, like, you can smell the green. You can just see the, see the opportunities for more Arctic drilling as the ice recedes, you know. Mm. Far be it from the fact that that will drown the ones in Houston. But, uh, yeah, so, like, this is, this is a question I honestly have. Um, which, which I'll sort of, I'll, I'll briefly in the show, and then we'll sort of end with a call, which is that I'm, I'm, could be convinced that, 
the world hangs in the balance on the 2020 American election. Um, I, there's a pretty, I, I feel I, like I really do wonder if, if how many people's time, if you, you know, if you, if you are not the kind of person who thinks, um, who thinks that, um, that, that pop, bubble popping and getting out and blockading streets is how you want to, if you want to more build community, if you want to go out and, and, and sort of be more, do the more positive side of, of trying to build people and bring people on side and, and, and mm. campaign in that fashion, there is a very good argument to be made that spending some time volunteering in the States next year for, for the candidate that you think has the strongest climate policy is a good idea. Mm. Uh, there is, uh, I, I've truly wondered to myself if that is what I should be doing. If I should just find time to actually just go down and, and, and and leave everything else. Uh, real, real question that I've had. Mm. Um, and so, you know, and because because the, what happens there will determine the next four years. And as has been so clearly stated, the next four years are the most critical. You know, we say this over and over again, but like as the longer and longer that we wait, the further and further we get to, you know, to Jonathan Franzen's uh, terrible world that he envisions. Uh, <laughs> the the more likely that the more likely that that each individual single thing is important. And I think, you know, this upcoming election in, in Canada is obviously incredibly important for, for us and for the world. Uh, but this, you know, if you're looking for something to do next year um, and you have some free time, uh, go out, build power, you know, organize, uh, bring people on side, uh, you know, show them that the world can be better. Uh, you know, preach the, 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 the power that community can, can overcome. Uh, the 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 hellscape that that Jonathan Franzen expects, and let's just you know let's 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 show them that it's not over. Mm, let's breathe. Yeah, for the next seven days, show up to some of these things, help the people who are working on these things, uh, financially contribute if you can, and and if this must be a tipping point in this movement. So if you can show up, please do in any way you can, uh, and with that. Uh, thank you all so much. We'll be back next week uh, with uh, a live show all about uh, the climate strike, uh, the climate movement. Uh, the hundreds of thousands of people are taking the streets uh, in Toronto and across the world right now and next week. Please tune in. See you all next week. <laughs>